in a world of store-bought items and a world that seems to never slow down, we make with our hands and tools. Here at Woolen Spinning Radio, we take a moment to breathe, to chat, to reflect. As the world continues in a whirlwind around us, we sit quietly at our spinning wheels with our knitting needles or on our looms. The gentle motion of twisting a spindle, watching it dropping slowly to the ground, or the click-clack of needles tapping against each other as we turn a heel, brings solace and comfort. We make with our hands because we love the process and value our handmade items. While they are never perfect, our yarns might be gently thick and thin or just plain over-twisted. In this place, we discuss what it means to be a maker, to use our hands. Join us as I chat with others in our community about these ideas, challenges, and rewards. Thank you for your time spent here in this place. You are always welcome. Why don't we start with like your story, where you live, because you live in the coolest place. <laughs> yeah, I, well, so yeah, I live on Thetis Island, um, <clears throat> which is between Vancouver Island and the mainland, but it's just up a little bit from Victoria. <clears throat> I guess you probably know. I do, but a lot of people won't because they're in the States or they're overseas. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought what I would do actually in the um, Patreon post, um, when this goes up, I thought that I would actually include like a Google Maps of like- Oh, good idea, yeah. general like, you know. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, good just kind of makes makes sense, yeah. yeah. So You're, did you grow up there or? No, I grew up in Victoria. And then I've lived on several of the other Gulf Islands, um, but I, I'm here now mostly because of a family connection that uh, my partner's family bought some land here and they were able to come up and sort of start a small farm. So, yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah, it's, a, it's a funny little community. It's, it's really only about 400 people. So, very, very small. It's smaller than Salt Spring, right? In terms of the numbers? Yeah, Salt yeah. Spring's like 10,000. Is it now? Holy smokes. Dude, yeah. And even Galliano, like I know you have a Galliano connection. I think Galliano is like yeah. 1200. Yeah. So it's quite a bit smaller even than that. Wow. But it's funny because it's also a small landmass. Yes. So it was sort of, um, it was a bit shocking moving here because I have um, three rescue dogs and we were used to, you know, doing a lot of, you know, walking and you know wilderness places and it turns out there's actually there aren't any parks here there oh, are yeah yeah and it's kind of something that growing up on the west coast you take for granted that of course there will be parks um but yeah but there aren't here so i mean there are places you can walk but yeah but it's not the same as like it's not the same no it doesn't have quite that same feeling of you know that this is really public space wow yeah so that's really interesting are you that, is that your e-spinner because it's no so, it's quiet it's oh good i'm glad so quiet i can't hear it at all i was like looking at your hands going what is she doing no it's my magic craft yeah oh, i can't okay. reach the camera otherwise i would tip it down yeah it's yeah. my Susie. it's very quiet and i did just oil it right before i started the zoom meeting just so that it would be that little bit quieter. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how you got into spinning and knitting and where did it all start for you? Well, I guess um, about four years ago, maybe four and a half years ago, I I was in a I was in a relationship where you know how sometimes you have a mismatch in terms of just kind of personal habits. And so I am really a morning person and my partner was an evening person and he would, you know, always in the evening, he would, it would, he would be like, okay, I'm ready to do things together. And, you know, I would just immediately fall straight to sleep. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just do something. Like if I was more engaged with my body like, you know, if we were watching TV or watching a movie, I thought I bet I could be, if I had slightly more focus on something that I would stay awake. So I, I got this um, really old wooden, hard wooden rocking chair that 
was kind of uncomfortable and very straight backed. And I learned how to knit um, just using YouTube, actually. Wow. Yeah. So I hadn't knit. I hadn't knitted at all before that. I had a little bit of experience with other fiber arts when I was a kid. Um, I had a, I called her my fairy godmother and she actually worked at Fort Langley as a no historical interpreter. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And so she taught me lots of stuff, including embroidering and, um, she did some weaving and she's a, an amazing spinner and knitter herself. Um, so I kind of had a little bit of, you know, immersion into the, that world. Um, but I really, that was when I learned to knit seriously. And it was like, I started to knit, I immediately started thinking, well, where, what is this material and where is it coming from? I only ever bought wool yarn. But then immediately I was just, you know, the gears started turning because I like to, you know, I think it's, it's just how the, I think that I think about where does something come from? How does it get processed? And where does it end up, you know, in terms of waste at the end of its useful life? And so that's like an environmental and social kind of framework. But um yeah, I just right away, I was like, oh my goodness, I could have sheep. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, a lot of things we can't just do. Like your average sort of city person, it's a pretty long shot to say, like, get a cow. Totally. Or, you know, there's loads of, of um, you know, things that are just way beyond us. But a sheep, you could I was like I bet there's someone around here that has five acres that I could just put some sheep on and so yeah so I so I have I it's been uh yeah ever since then and I've actually been I have learned a, a huge amount in really quite a short time yeah I would love to so Let's unpack that a little bit because there's a lot yeah. there. So were you spinning yeah. at this point when you started to get the sheep? Um, did I guess? Yes, I already was spinning. And in fact, you know, now that I think about it, my mom is a spinner and she, I was in spinning 4-H when I was a teenager, but then I like broke my arm and dropped out. But um, but I got a spinning wheel from Naughty by Nature from Ryan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I had started to spin, but it was still kind of at the stage where it was fairly frustrating and I had to really encourage myself to like work know, at it. Pers yeah, persevere. In fact, the the first wheel I got was a Louette S10. Oh and yeah. I don't know if you've spun on those. They're it's mm -hmm. a really nice wheel. I like the I actually really like the look of it. It's kind of looks um like sort of modern. Totally. Um, but it has such a fast uptake. And mm -hmm. I mean it's it's nice and basic, but for a beginner, a beginning spinner. Unless you have a really super toothy fiber. Mm -hmm. Or you're only doing textured yarns. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was like brutally difficult for maybe, I don't know, a while. And yeah. then eventually, I guess eventually I had the time to, you know, kind of spend some time every day on mm. it. And I think it was, you know, there was like a big breakthrough when I, when I was able to loosen my, my grip, because, you know, mm. it takes, that's quite hard to do when you, it keeps getting pulled out, totally. and breaking, you kind of want to hold on tighter. Yeah, but. especially with that type of, because, so for those who don't know, the, um, most of the Louette wheels are Irish tension, so it's that much firmer type of tension, uh, your brake is quite, quite firm, and it's just a different way of spinning, so for those who don't know, that's, that's 
why Emily couldn't just like loosen it. You were probably yeah. as loose as possible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually, I, I completely undid the brake band. Yeah. It's, it's like a little leather, a little leather piece. And I like a strap almost. Yeah. But, and uh, you know, once I got going, I was able to spin on that wheel, you know, very nicely. And that was great. Um, it doesn't do particularly thin fine yarns. It's just not an option. So I ended up buying a Lendrum last year, which is very exciting. Um, but I still have the Louette and it's kind of fun for big chunky projects. And yeah. I also am sort of hoping that, you know, people will come along who want to learn and then I can share it with them. And because it's a, such a big leap at some points, you know, if you're not sure you're gonna like spinning, you wanna try it out. And, Especially uh, when it's kind of a blind leap of faith because you can't try a ton of wheels. Like there's exactly. really not many places to try out wheels. Like no. Brooklyn Brothers doesn't have any anymore. A couple of the shops that had wheels are closed now. Right. So yeah. locally, there's not really anywhere to go. That's actually a really good point. You know, I've been trying to figure out, I'm, I'll be going to my first fiber festivals as a vendor this year. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, we actually, so I have a business partner in fiber, which is such a major part of my story. Um, I bought sheep from this woman on Pender Island and she has a fiber primary flock and she, she's like, much she's an amazing farmer she's really excellent with livestock and anything to do with the land she's absolutely got all the instincts but she wasn't doing a lot in terms of sales she just she knew that it was worth she knew what it was worth she knew the value this is an amazing resource but um she just wasn't it wasn't her forte to kind of focus on sales and because I have done lots of business activities, I felt like, oh, you know, I could maybe join in. And then when I bought the sheet from her, it kind of was a natural, um, you know, kind of lead on from there that we Only. could, so we pool our fleeces and we have, you know, we are like, we have a little business that we run and we've, so far we have been running it in a very, um, kind of ad hoc manner like we, we have like a, a chat on messenger a messenger chat and you know if I sell something I'll send her half the money and if she sells something she sends me half the money and we do have um, a google sheets like spreadsheet um, but it's yeah I, I'm gonna have to really step up my game this year in terms of organization because we just have so much more product, which is fantastic. That was the whole point. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's definitely, it's getting kind of to the complicated time where, yeah, it's, it actually requires work and planning and all of yeah. that is super fun, but it's, yeah, it's just something, oh yeah, I have to put some time aside to do that. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Was your learning to spin in your spinning journey kind of happening parallel to getting yeah. the sheep and starting the farm? A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. A hundred percent happening at the same time. Yeah. So, which is really an interesting perspective now that I think about it. Because, yeah. Um, I mean, I was quite focused on learning how to care for these animals and I, and of course, interacting with them every day and seeing like, oh, you know, my, my activities as a farmer and my work as a farmer directly impacts my work as a fiber artist or as a spinner, because if my sheep are, you know, if the pasture gets muddy or if I haven't done a good job of um, combating the thistles when they into it before they get big, yeah, um, or, yeah all that stuff. Um, pasture management, stress management, you know, feed, minerals, uh, all that stuff really impacts the quality of the fleece, as you know, because if you yeah. get a, if you get a fleece that is 
felted or full of BM. It's just, it's completely different. Yeah. Even like even last year, I think my huge, the biggest thing, and it's so simple, but I guess in my mind, I had been thinking about the timing of shearing as basically just to do with the time of year. I sort of thought, well, I, mm-hmm. you know, people shear in March, so I'll shear in March. And then it, it turned out, I guess last year, the shearer that I work with didn't have time in March. He didn't make it out until May. It was probably six weeks later. Um, but they, really the fleece should have been shorn several months earlier, really. And what he said was, you know, some of the, the sheep that I have are half BFL and then Cotswold and Romney. Wow. Yeah. So it, they're beautiful fleeces, uh, but they are quite long. And if you don't, it's particularly the BFL Cotswold cross, if it's just the 50-50, those fleeces are just, you know, you really have to get them when they're ready to come off. Like, don't let it go farther longer than five inches because they just get so dirty and they do, like Cotswold felts really, really easily. So yeah, so you, so that was a big learning last year. Just to, wow. yeah, get the timing right. So, so what are some of the really big, big key learnings that you've had as a farmer? Like since you've taken over, since you've taken over the farm doing, doing that, how did all of that unfold? And what are some of those big things that you've learned? Well, I guess one thing I didn't even really realize I had learned until just recently is I've been, um, kind of rehoming, I had a flock of laying hens and I was giving them away. And what I realized is that people sort of were thinking as I had thought when I first moved here, I thought, oh, pasture for sheep is just kind of like a place for them to hang out. It's like housing, but actually it's food. It really is fundamentally food. And it require you know, it really requires a lot of land and trying to like, I, it's one of the biggest, I guess it's, it's, a, it's one thing I would do differently if I do it again, is to find good quality pasture of a really large quantity because there's nothing as stressful in caring for animals as having animals who are uncomfortable or unhappy First of all, they just, they make a lot of noise. They will break through their fences. They'll go look for something better. Or you can end up, which is what I've done, is um, you end up spending a ton of money on feed. Um, And so generally what I do, I have about four and a half acres fenced. Um, but it's not really great quality pasture. It's there's some pasture and there's some browse, and the 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 sheep that I have are quite happy to eat salal and eat blackberries and stuff like that. But really, you know, once it's the growing season, I always move them to somebody else's farm for the summer so that they have good quality grass. Um, and that's because, you know if I was to feed them year round, feed them hay, I usually do in the winter, hay, second cut hay, um, I do soaked alfalfa cubes, which are higher in protein and higher in nitrogen. And then I do grain as well, sheep text. And if I was to do that year round, it would just be you know, ludicrous, like way too expensive, but there are, you know, there is pasture. And so what I'm doing is sort of learning how to work with other landowners so that I can, I mean, really they need to be responsible for the cost of fencing, Mm -hmm. Um, but I can help them get the fencing. I can help them set the fencing up and, you know, tell them what's required and which is basically a fence, a large enough area with good grass, uh, some shelter from rain and from sun and fresh water daily. Yeah. So, yeah, but that means that, you know, for the last three years that I've had sheep, I have 
built, I have basically fenced three properties. Wow. And I'm on to the fourth one, which is a lot. Expert fencer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, it, I hadn't really planned on that. So it always feels like, oh my gosh, this is a, you know, it feels like an imposition. Yeah. It feels like I just don't have time or energy for this. Could somebody else please do the fencing? <laughs> anyway, so. Is that something that you can work toward fixing on your own land to have really good pasture? Well, that's what I initially thought. Um, I'm looking out at it as we talk. Yeah, <laughs> I figured the window's right yeah. there. Yeah. Initially I thought that, um, and I have made some improvements for sure in terms of, um, like even just having the sheep on the land to a certain extent, it will improve the pasture because they're pooping and going into the ground and it's just natural compost and that's increasing carbon and it's increasing, um, you know, they, they'll also, as they eat down the, the kind of shrubs that that makes more room for grass. And so I have seeded, you know, sheep and it's, it's a mix called sheep and horse grass seed several times. Um, but ultimately, and I've done a fair bit of, um, thinning the forest, but Ultimately, the ground that I have here is fairly forested. There are three kind of decent clearings, um, but two of them are basically bedrock. It's oh. that's just the islands are like that. It's the yes. ground not. It's not good for growing. It's such a shame because it seems like sort of ideal to have a big farm on one of the Gulf Islands, but it turns out that they really don't have very good soil interesting yeah so yeah so ultimately i think that's the biggest that's the biggest learning curve so and i mean it's true that there are pieces of land that are really well suited to pasture you know and really you want lots of it you know you want you don't want to be choosing like i right now i have five breeding ewes and it seems like not very much, and it isn't very much. It's a, that's a tiny little flock. It has benefits in that. Um, you can move I them around. Them. Sorry? You can move them around, which is I when can, there's only yeah. five. Yeah, exactly. There's five ewes, and I do, I keep a weather, partly because he just has the most incredible fleece. He's, um, Weathers just tend to have really good fleece because they're not producing anything else. They're not breeding. And yeah, that's the big thing that takes energy away from fleece. Um, But he's a lovely guy and he's got this deep, rich brown, dark brown fleece. Mm. And um, if I do keep a ram over winter, which I did last year, he stays with the ram and so they're safe together because you can't really keep one sheep by itself and you don't really want your ram in with your ewes. Some people do that, but it can get dangerous. Um, and they're just kind of pigs as well. They'll, you know, they'll stop the ewes from eating the grain when you're like, come on, she's pregnant. <laughs> anyway, so, um, uh, Oh, sorry. My phone just made a sound, but I cannot turn off the volume right now. All good. Yeah. So you've got six in total. I have six adults and this year I had 12 lambs. <laughs> so I have 18 right now, which oh is my goodness. It's such a big crew. They're really, they're really amazing. Yeah. Now do you do meat as well? Or are they just for fiber? Yeah, well, this is the, it's kind of an ongoing conversation. We have, I have been doing meat um, because it's the only way, you know, if you kept all the lambs, you, you can't, you know, you just have to keep on having a bit more and more land and it's impossible. Um, On the other hand, it's very nice to have lambs fleece 
um, it's, you know, it's really fine. And it also, there's so much of it, you know, from my, from my five U's rather than having five fleeces and then plus the weather, six fleeces. This year I'll have 18 and 12 of those because I generally shear before processing the lambs. Um, it, it, you know, it increases the, the fleece yield exponentially and it, in, in, you know, improves the quality because so much of that is lambs fleece. So this year we, um, we have, we got most of our fleece, well, both Jody and I, Jody is my business partner's name and she's on Pender and, um, and she is also a hand spinner. So we both like to process our own um but we have so much of it that we really we couldn't possibly process all of it on our own totally and so we send some of it to the mill to be made into either roving or yarn and um so this year we have one yarn base which is just lamb's wool and it's really incredible it's so soft oh. because it's mostly 50% BFL. Well, it is, it's at least 50% BFL. So it's, it's really lustrous and fine. And yeah, yeah, it's lovely. It has a bit of a halo, which I quite like, but we had it made into um, like a worsted weight two ply. Um, and we sent it to custom woolen mills and car stairs. So it's a woolen preparation, but I'm thinking that this year we will, I'm going to try and make the minimum, it's probably a hundred pounds of raw fleece to send to Innisfail. It's okay. called Exotic Fibers in Alberta. Um, oh, anyway, and that's a worsted mill, right? They have a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have a worsted mill and they'll do, um, they also have a, a silk, Sort of a source for silk so you can do a silk blend which is really cool nice. yeah yeah because i guess you know we do two we do like a a natural white worsted with the lamb's wool then we have a natural gray worsted weight two ply which is also really soft um and then we had the used wool which we made into a lopi it's a three strand lopi this year, which is quite, their lopi is really quite soft spun. Like they call it a soft spun yarn and it's really barely spun. It's like, it definitely holds together. It, it's a viable yarn, but I don't think it's strong enough to use for a warp. Mm, it would so, drift apart. Yeah, I think it would. I think it, you know, with much, with, with a lot of pressure it would, so. Well, and those soft spun lopi yarns are really like they're for those color work sweaters. I mean, that's yeah, exactly. where they shine, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. But I haven't, we haven't, what we haven't done so far, and I get quite a few requests for it, which is possibly geographic. Because <laughs> uh, there's, I'm sort of in an area where the fiber arts people are tend to be older women. And yeah. so they're still kind of knitting like they're, I don't know, like people from the, you know, who learned in the last century, which they yeah. are. So, in the eighties so, and nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And so they want sock yarn. They want, and they want finer yarn as well, because as people age, I think our hands have a harder time with the, with the bulkier, you know, bulkier needles and. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It seems like it. That's the feedback I've gotten from a couple of people who have um, uh, arthritis in their hands. Mm -hmm. is that they need to, um, yeah, just stay with lighter, finer yarns. I have to admit, I enjoy knitting with lighter, finer yarn and lighter needles. Like I, you know, I don't want the big, like five millimeter is about as high as I'll go. Right. It's hard on my hands. It is hard on your hands. Yeah, I find that too. And I think about my hands like, you know, for as I age, you know, like I want yeah. my hands to still be viable when I'm 75, 80, 85, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So we yeah. on them now. Yeah. yeah. 
So when it comes to your spinning, what are some of the your favorite things to spin and your favorite things to make? Um, well, I right now on my wheel, I have some um, Arcot. I got this beautiful dark, it's almost black. I guess I would say it's sort of charcoal, but it's a very warm charcoal. Um, I bought several fleece. I think I bought five fleeces from another farmer last year and had them made into roving. Nice. And um, where did yeah, you send them to? Really easy to use. And it's a nice, this um, Arcot fleece had a nice staple length and um, it's, it's toothy, but it's actually incredibly soft. Like it's, I've been spinning most recently, I've been spinning some Dorset and it's this Arcot is way softer than the Dorset. And I guess it had, because it has such a long staple, I don't know, it doesn't seem to require as much um, twist. Mm. So yeah, so anyway, so I'm spinning that and I'm doing a sweater spin right now with, um, it's gonna be, a, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna knit the Talvinen you know that um, I always think that it's like, oh my gosh, this amazing pattern just came out. Everybody must know about it. But anyway, it's a beautiful <laughs> pattern called Talvin and it has the colorwork yoke has like birds coming down, you know, oh, sort of cool. like um, with their wings out, like a wingspan kind of um, pattern all around the yoke. Um, yeah. And it's a, I think it's a beautiful pattern and I have a really good friend who absolutely loves birds. So I am spinning for that pattern, which is kind of, um, I think it's, I haven't actually measured, but I, it's like lighter than a worsted. So I'm thinking it's probably around a fingering weight, maybe sport weight. Okay. Yeah. Um, yarn. And I'm really enjoying that. It's a two ply. I'm spinning it on my landrum and I'm spinning mostly short forward. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. I don't, yeah, I think I normally, I think that, well, I think it's, this is one of those times when I need to do what you suggest, which is to kind of intentionally break up my kind of comfort spin. Cause mm. I've obviously I've gotten into kind of like a, the usual thing that I usually do. Um, but I do adjust my spinning according to the fiber. Yeah. You know, so I definitely sample and test and adjust. But anyway, that's what this, that's what this fleece is requiring. And then the other thing I've been doing recently, which I'm super excited about, but I, I haven't, I think I'm going to use it for weaving. And it's an incredibly textured yarn. I basically, I had a fleece for, you know, I told you that my last year I waited too long to shear my sheep. Well, I ended up with one or, well, definitely one fleece that is my Cotswold BFL U and she has multiple colors. She's, I'll send you a picture of her. I'd love to see her, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's got like her back is quite silver, but then her her head and legs are really brown. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just gorgeous, really a beautiful sheep. And she's also like, she really loves me. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. We just, we have a good relationship. So, um, and she's the lead you. So she's always the one who tells the others like, you know, this is a good way to go. We'll go in here. It's safe. You know, come follow me. And um, so anyway, I had previously, I think with her previous year's fleece, I bought a comb and hackles and I combed it all. And I did a really beautiful um, worsted spun yarn that I, I love. I just kept it as a singles. I also haven't used that. I'm, it's like, it's so beautiful. The yarn, I just, I just, I, I'm like waiting until I'm good enough knitter or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, knitting's just knit pearl, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
right it's uh that is too fun you need a pattern where you're really going to show that that spinning off though yeah 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 that's right it's quite fine it's a single and i think i would like to use it for a really drapey lace work shawl that would I be just, amazing yeah and then you'd get because i tried to keep the colors um kind of separate like i i really allowed color to pool so then you just get the natural kind of fade through across the shawl and a shawl would be a great place to show that off where you don't really need to plan exactly yeah. you can just knit yeah so, yeah yeah so hopefully i'm still i guess what i started doing one i started a shawl i started knitting a shawl with that yarn actually and i purchased a super fine kid silk mohair oh. and um, I was holding it double and then I just got I was like I did the wrong knitting at the wrong time and I was I needed to be more focused on my pattern mm -hmm. and I couldn't budget and I ended up having to pull it out and you know what mohair is like if you try to pull it out it's a pain mm -hmm. And so then it's been just waiting again. And you know. and then you risk losing that that hand spun too. Well, exactly. Yeah. So you don't want that to happen. No, no. Um, and, but then the other, so this year, like over Christmas, I ended up getting super sick. I didn't, I don't know if it was COVID because I didn't go out and get tested, but I'm pretty sure it was. Mm, yeah. I was horribly sick. I was oh. also snowed in at the same time. And just, it was, I mean, I was fine. I, I knew, and I, yeah. I just was like, I don't need a doctor. I don't, I can breathe. I can, I'm like not losing consciousness. Everything is okay. It's just uncomfortable to be, you know, kind of woozy and no yeah. energy for, yeah. Anyway, so but while I was in that state, I started on the farm theme. I started watching the old James Harriet TV show from like the 60s or something. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime. Anyway, I don't need to say that, you know, give that company any more attention. But totally. I, but um, that's where you can find it. <laughs> that's where I found it. Yes, exactly. And it's fabulous. And they have these really long episodes with you know and it was all filled in the british countryside and it was filmed in the 60s and so a lot of that countryside has changed significantly to you know today and um anyway you know that it's like this you know james harriet would go and and visit these farmers in their old stone barns and yeah. it's just it's really amazing and um the other thing I really liked about it, I have to say, was that, you know, occasionally some there will be like a tense moment where something bad, you know, an animal gets sick or something yeah. bad happens. But and you're kind of like, I think I'm sort of sensitive to um, TV drama. Yes. And so I'm always kind of like, oh, no, like so, <laughs> this is going to be so painful. I can't watch. And then it just doesn't go that way it always like by the end of the episode it doesn't even get that tense there's like sort of a minute where they look at each other and you're really worried and then they're like no it's okay we'll do this and everything will work out all right and they you know they stitch the, the beauty of television before <laughs> reality tv right <laughs> yeah so anyway so i was watching that um I was watching that show and working on this spin where I was spinning from the lock and I had washed the fleece, but it still had quite a bit of VM and it was parts of it were like not quite felted, but almost on the verge. Okay. Yeah. Of being felted. So I was taking these locks and kind of pulling them apart, like teasing them apart, but not entirely not the way I would if I was going to card a fleece by hand mm. like generally if I want if I prep a fleece all the way um 
I would wash it and then pick it all apart. So all the locks are, you know, really separate and yeah. then cart it or comb it or whatever. Well, I don't usually do that if I'm combing, but if I'm carting, I would do that. Um, so in this case, I just took the locks. I pulled them apart gently somewhat. And, um, and then I just spun from the locks oh, and wow. it made this really fascinating yarn. I'm really into it. I love it. And I am also, it's, it's another case where I'm kind of, I'm setting up, I'm just in the middle of setting up my loom. I have my first warp on and I just need to, I have a Cherryville, just like Katrina's old Cherryville. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she um, actually helped me. We had a Zoom meeting about how to get it, you know, get everything balanced. But um, I'm still, I just have one last little leg to go because I'm not getting a consistent shed. Oh, okay. So just in the tie ups, I need to, yeah, I need to just do some adjusting. But I'm pretty yeah. sure that that yarn is going to be weaving yarn because I think that would be a nice way to show off. I'll just get a, I'll get, and I can show you. Oh, yeah, please. I actually brought a whole bunch of stuff. Let's oh, awesome. It. Yeah, please show and tell. Okay, so this is, this is that um, combed uh, worsted yarn. I That's don't know if you can beautiful. see it. This is all. Yeah, yeah, it's quite nice. I think, and it's like, this is really quite fine. That's fine, yeah. But it's, um, yeah, and then you can see, I don't know how well you can see the the color. Yeah, you can see that it's like you said, it's pooling. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be and amazing. Another skein of the same, but this is like browner. Yeah. Yeah. If and you took that, if it was strong enough, um, if you put that on as warp, yeah, and then wove a white weft, it would just oh. be incredible. Incredible. I'll send you a photo oh, later of what we did for sheep to shawl a few years ago oh, before COVID. And we had a, we had a dyed resist dyed warp and where the color pooled in areas and oh. then with a white weft. And we did, we just did M's and W's like it was super simple. It was M's and yeah. W's woven right. as threaded. Right. Um, so it's called, um, uh, um, uh, as drawn in and uh, it makes this beautiful it looks really intricate but it's not <laughs> it's actually partly because of the color but the color is uh, it, that would just be um, incredible yeah that's a really good idea you know I, I'm I've always been focusing just on this colored fleece because it's so beautiful but I have so many white fleeces that are yeah. at least as beautiful I have one U that is half thin. And so she's thin BFL Cotswold. And her fleece is just, again, it's like so lustrous. So, and she has this huge fleece, like after about eight months, it's just, it's like, it's gotta be like 10 pounds of fleece. It's just incredible. Wow. So anyway, and she's actually the daughter of that, the other one. Anyway, so I should do that. That's such good advice. I'll send you a photo. Okay, I'd yeah. love that. I'll put Thanks. it in the Patreon post so that people can see it because I'm actually spinning yeah. for something very similar right now just to recreate it to see if I can because I wasn't the weaver. Um, right. I was one of the I spinners. I remember when you did that because I was yeah. listening to your podcast and I remember you talking about that. Yeah, because I've always been this one of the one of the spinners in Sheep to Shawl. I've never been the weaver. So, yeah, because I wasn't really weaving yet. I was just no. sort of playing on a rigid heddle. Because yeah. the last sheep to shawl was like 2017, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, so are you guys going to do it again? Hopefully, not this year, but, but right. hopefully they'll start it up again for next year. Yeah. 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 So what else do you have? Okay. So I also have, so this is this, the textural yarn that oh, is incredible yeah and i just i so you can see oh that's an end but i i um 
spun it. It's not core spun. It's just tail spun. It is spun from the lock, but in that way where I kind of like I took these locks. Actually, I've got some locks here. Um, okay, so here's a lock. Here's a group of locks. And that's probably like six to seven inches. So I would take this in order to prep it, I would take it and just kind of pull it apart sideways. Oh, cool. But not all the way. So I would like make sure that these little, the tips where it's really kind of glued together. Yeah. There's still a little bit of, there's still a bit of lanolin in here, but not too much. So I would just basically spin from this kind of it's cloud but there's like some little uh, bits of texture yeah exactly and there's still so much vm in there um <laughs> <laughs> anyway it does it does come out and whatever it, it'll come out eventually <laughs> but um yeah so that was how i did these these yarns and some of them like I just, it, I was really in play mode, like really in experimental mode. So this stuff here is like, this is the Britch, Britch fleece. So it's quite, I mean, it really doesn't have very much crimp at all. It has, you know, it's kind of hairy. <laughs> I mean, it's not actual, it's fleece, it's wool, but yeah. it's, um, it feels more hairy. A lot of farmers will, or, or, um, wool processors would just discard mm. the rich fleece because it's such a different texture. But I just thought, well, you know, I've got it. I might as well just see what I, you know, see what, it, how it turns out. Do I like yeah. it? And um, yeah, so that's, that's that. And then I guess the other thing I've been doing is um, a lot of dyeing. I was just going to ask you. Yeah. 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 So I've been doing some dyeing. Um, some of it, I've done some natural dyeing, but it's kind of hard to get enough of the raw materials. I kind of, I guess I had this concept in my mind that if I was going to do natural dyeing, I wanted to actually harvest the materials from their natural settings as well. Like why do it? you know, do the whole process except for that. But then what I realized is that it takes so much of the, that material, the dye material, um, because quite often it's like an equal weight to the fiber, right? And that's just so much, like, especially if you're doing anything that's wild harvested. I did do a really good batch of um, tansy ragwort dye oh, okay which and tansy ragwort is a horribly invasive weed and so so everybody you know of course that means there's a lot of it growing on the sides of the road it looks like it has like a little yellow kind of daisy like flower mm -hmm. it's kind of cheerful in the summer but um it is super it's super invasive so um so then over harvesting isn't really a problem and right. i you know, it was summer and I cooked it down outside over my camp stove and it made a really nice, you know, kind of yellow ochre dye. Wow. Um, but all of that is to say that for the most part, I used Dharma acid dyes. Oh, okay. And yeah. And I've been really having a great time. I love color mm. and it's just, my incredible blessing and luck that my business partner Jody was like, you know, great, like go ahead and and you know learn to die on this yarn that we made together, you know, or that we had made. Wow. And then I also happened to have last year um there was a woman on the island who had at that point she had a yarn store in Shimanus. And she said, you know, I have people coming in all the time asking for local yarn, locally made wool yarn. 
And she bought like almost our entire stock last year. Wow. She, I would see her and she would just like spend another 600 bucks and just, and you know, we didn't have that much. Like it was last, our first year making yarn, we did about, I think we sent in maybe 150 pounds. And oh, so okay. back is about 75 pounds. I mean, it's still like, it's still quite a lot. Yeah, There's four, together, four ounce skeins. So four skeins per pound. And um, anyway, what all of this is to say that I had this, the perfect conditions to learn to dye and to have all of my product purchased. Bought. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, super lucky. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and as a result, like what I mean, it's kind of a, I don't know, there's maybe there's a better way to go about this process. But what I've done is basically like bought dye colors because you can't really tell what you're getting, right? You look at totally. the website, you purchase, and then you get it and work with it. And it's like, oh, I had no idea that's how it would turn out. Totally. Yeah. So, and I've, but I've just been going ahead and doing that. And I guess over the last year or year and a half, I have purchased, I don't know, maybe 50, maybe I have 50 colors from Dharma. And I think about one out of every four is magnificent, which mm -hmm. unfortunately it means that you've got three colors or you're just like, what? Gross. <laughs> I know. I wish I didn't, hadn't <laughs> even tried that. Like I have to cover it up now, but um, you know, but that's okay. Then you over diet and it becomes more complex and more interesting, but it's hard to, you know, hard to reproduce that. Yeah. So at the beginning I was um, making these more complex colors. I was mixing them myself or I was over dyeing. I actually liked that the best was, you know, do it, dyeing one color and then, you know, washing and drying mm -hmm. and looking at the yarn and then over dyeing it with something else. Yeah. And I came up with some fabulous colors, but they're not really reproducible. And since what I was trying to do, trying to achieve was um, colors that I could reproduce and sell at a slightly larger scale anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I basically just decided this year I've chosen five or six colors on each of our yarn bases. And I just, I can dye them fairly consistently. Like they're still, they're only, they're semi-solids and every skein truly is unique, but they are within the, a range that I think they could be used within the same garment um, or, you know, like they definitely are consistent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll get some slightly darker, but, um, and some lighter, but yeah. That's so that's, that's been really fun too. And actually I also just started dying. I, a friend of my mom's gave me, check this out, this big pile of silk. Wow. Yeah. And um, so I've been dyeing this to card together with, um, I, I think last year, I didn't really know. It's so hard. I guess I've been trying to figure out where to spend my energy. Yeah. Like, cause there's so, oh, there's so many things to learn and to do. And if you're trying to like doing it just for fun or, or not just for fun, but only for fun, for pleasure only, you have one set of, um, you know, learning goals. Yeah. But if you're also trying to run a business, then you have another set of learning goals and it's like keeping those goals straight and then managing your time and your fleece, you know, I've got like bags of fleece everywhere. Yeah. 
So anyway, last year I washed and picked an entire very large but beautiful black Romney fleece that I got from a friend in Duncan. And um, so now I am, I just finally got new carding cloth on my carter. I have one of those old carters from the seventies from my mom. Hey. And I put new, um, I think 72 times per inch um, carding cloth on it. And so I'm dyeing some of this silk to blend in with this dark, it's, it's almost black. It's really a dark That'll brown. That'll be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think I'm going to sell it as bats. Yeah. I think it's, but you know, like once you've washed and picked an entire fleece, like a, you know, eight or nine pound fleece by hand. Yeah. And then you realize how much, you know, more work there still is left <laughs> in it. Um, I was last year, I just didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, you're, you know, you go into storage for a little while and I'll figure it out. Yeah. But now I think I'm going to make um, silk and wool bats and sell them. We're going to be at the hundred mile. I don't know if you've heard of this, but there's a hundred mile fleece and fiber festival. Oh, Coombs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The one that's out at Coombs. I know about that one. Yeah. So we'll be there. So I'll have these. Cool. Yeah. Silk, silk and wool bats there as well as everything else we, and we will have also we kind of, I haven't done all the photography and stuff to back it up, but we'll have either we could do advent calendars or we could do a fiber club because we have quite a good selection now of different kinds of roving available. Oh, cool. Like specific roving. Yeah. And it's funny because most of our sheep are mixed breed, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of other people's sheep and other animals are not mixed breed. And so, so through trades or through, you know, purchasing or I, this year I, um, super interesting experience. I paid and assisted with another farmer, um, getting their sheep sheared. He's an, a lovely senior farmer in the area who has always sheared his own. Wow. But in the last few years, he hasn't sold it. Um, and so it's just been like sitting there. Amazingly, he has a fairly large flock of blue-faced Lester and border Lester sheep. There, I think he has like 25 blue-faced Lester and one or two border Lester. And so anyway, so these are these are some of the, you know, kind of more community ways mm -hmm. of that that we're kind of getting fleeces so and I know Jody on Pender helps she has a couple of farmers that she helps you know bring in the hay every year or she'll mm -hmm. help if they you know if an animal needs an injection or needs their feet done or whatever she'll mm -hmm. go and, and help them and as a result she gets you know first pick of the fleeces so we have, um, we've been doing a, well, Jody actually did a test um, of Suffolk fleece. Mm -hmm. So, cause you know, Suffolk is fairly toothy and, you know, brisk, but um, she, Jody absolutely loves hand knit socks. That's most of her knitting is, or it used to be anyway, mostly socks. And because she is a farmer, she lives in gumboots. And so she makes these big, thick socks and she hand spins and hand knits them. Um, but then she's like, I'm not hand washing them. I have to go in the washing machine. <laughs> and so she's been doing these tests with um, Suffolk and Dorset fleece. Oh. And, um, and they're actually standing up really well to machine washing. Wow. So, yeah. So that's another thing we're doing is to, we're going to create some hand dyed kits where you get hand dyed Suffolk 
roving or Dorset roving when, you know, they'll, it'll be marked and clear. Um, and then you get this sock recipe mm -hmm. and then you'll have to spin, you know, spin and knit your own socks, but they'll be, they should be felting resistant. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Fun. Yeah. So if people want to get in touch with you and they want to find you online, where, where can they look for you? So they can the look place. at new wave fiber. I think it's newwavefiber.com and I'm on Instagram and as the same, I don't know if there's probably like an underscore in there or something, but okay. I can I'll look you up. I'll make sure it's all linked. Okay. Thanks. That's so awesome. Much. And they can reach out to you on the Slack channel. You're um, at Emily Grace, which is easy yeah. to remember. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's and so I, cool. Also, I guess I have to say I'm, even though I am selling stuff, I'm really where I'm at is, is focusing on the community and focusing on learning and, and connecting mm. with people. And I haven't quite figured out all of the ins and outs of, well, I'm not very good. I'm not very professional at selling right now. Like for example, my, my web shop is not active but um, I'm definitely available for conversations. Awesome. Yeah. Especially if people have questions and they want to know about some of these breeds, you know, how do you approach Cotswold? How do you approach, you know, a BFL fleece and you know, sure, just yeah. having a conversation? Yeah. 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 I'm starting to know something. Isn't that amazing? It feels so good. And you have more to offer than you know. You know, you know more than you think you do. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, Emily. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's so good to talk to you.